Lafayette Parish was rocked by the news that Mayor President Josh Guillory had admitted himself to rehab. I'm your host, Darla Montgomery, and in today's exclusive interview, I talk with Josh and his wife, Jamie, about his time in rehab and many of the rumors and allegations that have swirled around him in the weeks since. In this extended, uncut interview, now on 10 Talks Acadiana. 10 Talks Acadiana. The podcast powered by KLFY.com. So we're going to just jump right into our questions um, because so many of your constituents um, have questions and they want to know. Um, this is the first time, I think, that um, a mayor president, a mayor of Lafayette, has had to do what you did. Um, so let's start with you, um, Josh Guillory, if we could, mayor president. Tell me when the rehab decision came about. What led to your decision? Well, I just, you know, fortunately, there was no one incident that, you know, blew up, wasn't arrested, you know, didn't have a domestic uh, situation and you know, that's not always the case with everyone and you know just I could see it starting to affect my life I could see it starting to kind of face mainly my at home you know just trying to you know take me away from family and never interfered with the job I'm very fortunate with that but you know it just looked in the literally looked in the mirror and said you know I could do better I want to get ahead of this and went and talked to Jamie and said look man I need help and you know she started getting on the phone and when got in treatment, you know, and we had to balance some things, you know, because I'm, I'm never not the mayor president. When I go to mass, I'm never not the mayor president. When I go to the doctor's office, never not the mayor president. And, you know, for, for many in Acadiana can relate to this that, you know, I just look, I had to go get some help and I wanted to be proactive about it. So needed to go and find a facility where we can balance my duties, but also not uh, hinge on my recovery. And because that's just, you know, 21 days, is, it's not a magic cure. And you know, this is just like diabetes, just like other uh, medical conditions where you have the medical side, but a lot of the treatment is behavioral, behavioral health and, and you know, changing lifestyles, changing decisions, changing how we process things. And uh, I'm fortunate to, to have that, that opportunity, but we, we recognize that that's a foundation. And, you know, I hope others can, can look at this situation and, and maybe build on it. And I'll tell you where I fell on my face and I'll tell you where we had some successes. And, you know, if that can help folks, that's what we want to do. He came to you. Mm-hmm. Did you see anything before then? I mean, yeah. I mean, I knew that definitely he could be doing things differently and better. Um, I was very surprised. Like, it wasn't something that I expected. Um, but I supported it 100%. It's to some of our viewers, it seems short. You said 21 days. Walk us through the process. Is that the normal for first time? How does that work? Well, it's a lifetime treatment. So 21 days, I was blessed to be able to be in a position to balance, you know, my duties as mayor president, but also focus on my recovery efforts. And, you know, I said earlier today that in, in the press conference that it's a several bricks and a very solid foundation and we have a lot more work to do and we're going to continue to do that um okay so let's think about this um speaking of that the long term mental health substance abuse um so many in our society we deal with this uh what 
some people don't understand how long it takes or how short it may take. So we, we have 21 days. That's what, you know, the number that you threw out there. So if there was proof that it was 21 days. 21 days at that particular facility from start on a Thursday, ended on a Thursday, seven times three. So let's talk about the communication um, and treatment. Is there ever a point in the treatment where there is a requirement of no outside Tree, uh, outside communication, how does that all work? Because this is all about you and getting the help that you needed. Well, it's about family. You know, it's about the influencers and you know outside family too. You know interaction. You know, life life still happens, and 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 we wanted to go to a we want to utilize a facility that that took life into consideration. You know you can't just wall yourself up whether you're the mayor president of Lafayette or or not. And you have to be able to use the tools that what I've come to appreciate. Utilize the tools that we've been able to acquire in that process in the real world. So I don't, we're not as sheltered as we we may like, and, and I'm okay with that. And we wanted to make sure we had a facility that could help us balance you know my duties but also could help me balance life when I get out and make sure I bring my best self and during this time Jamie what is it that they told you how what was your role in 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 the process as family as his wife I mean I spoke with him 10 minutes on Thursday and I got 30 minutes on Sunday um, we wanted to find a facility that could that would be that you know is used to working with executives that could accommodate um, some of the things that what, you know was required of Josh to have so I mean he was actually in contact with the administration more than me which was fine I mean it, it was like you know they, they gave him access when they gave the administration access when they needed it so it, it really worked out well and I think that if it would have if they thought it was going to hinder anything that they would not have agreed to that but I mean like I said they were used to working with executives and um, it wasn't something out of the ordinary for them. And speaking of out of the ordinary, so it sounds like that you, you had um, a unique, uh, and maybe unique is not quite the right word, but an arrangement so that you could continue because that was something that you stressed to continue to do your duties as mayor president and, and being contacted. So can you give us some insight on, on how that worked? And how were you able to do that? Because, like, again, I can't stress the importance of the you time yep. in treatment yeah. as opposed to having to fulfill your duties, elected duties. Well, just like anything else, I trust the experts. You know, if we dig a detention pond, I go to an engineer. If we need some legal answers, I go to the legal department. And in this situation, you know, we turned over everything to God, but when here on earth, we turned over everything to our, our you know, doctors and counselors that we had available to us at the at the particular facility I was at. And, you know, they understood the, the duties that I have that and that I also take very serious. And I was um, I was very happy that they you know they delivered you know that I was I was available should I should I need uh, there was I think one or two instances where they had to go off off the scheduled time because just needed a decision or need to brief me on some so things was, so there were scheduled times where you could speak to your administration or the folks who you needed to speak to correct and then we put measures in place and, and contingency plans uh, should certain things happen where the administration had guidance over over the three-week period so was this online was this on a cell phone both none how, how did it work whatever the administration needed whatever whatever how whatever was needed for me to fulfill my duties it's very it's very similar to if you go on vacation out of town you know anytime we we leave or if I'm in uh, DC advocating for I-49 connector <laughs> you, you name it uh, you know we're gonna make myself available to um, 
to the to to my directors and to the CEO CAO if she's not with us or anybody else in, in the office. So when people do go into um, inpatient treatment, and I'm going to ask you both this question for you first, Josh. Um, was there ever a moment that you felt like you hit rock bottom where it the the reality uh, everything just sunk in and weighed in was there a moment like that I get asked that all the time and I've analyzed it you know during counseling and meditation things like that you know I really feel like I'm very fortunate I just realized that I, I needed to get some help so if that's rock bottom then I hit rock bottom but I will tell you this you know I have two options and, and look I, I'm an alcoholic so I have two options I either drink or I don't and I just keep playing the tape. So to me, you know, answer the way you may feel differently, uh, you know, but to me, if I play the tape of me taking a drink, you know, by my own will, not, not by, you know, higher power, but my own will. And that's true for every addict, true for every alcoholic, true for every diabetic, you know, with medical conditions outside of their control. We can't guarantee certain things on our own volition. So we have to, we have to turn it over if, if you want success. The other option is not to drink. And I'm okay with that. And for you, Jamie, was there ever a point where you just really felt the weight of this? I mean, I think any time that you're living with someone that um, is struggling, you feel, uh, I guess, a weight. Um, but that wasn't my decision. You know what I mean? It had to be his decision. So he had to feel like, you know, it, he was ready. There was never any, like, ultimatum or, like, any... Like, you know, you hear in the media there was this big blow up or like I was abused or he was violent. That was never the case. I mean, it was just a decision that he made. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, I mean, Josh, is he's, he has a very strong faith. He goes to church every day. Um, you every know, day? Every day. Try to. <laughs> um, pretty much every day, I would say. So um, I think that he had probably been asking god for help for a while you know so i feel like it was just something that was meant to happen you know there was no there was nothing crazy leading up to that i understand so was there anything in your job performance that that gave you clues did it affect your job performance no. before you made the decision not a single instance it, it literally literally you know darla when I, I, like you say look in the mirror i was literally looking in the mirror and I just, you know, saw something that was like, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing that. And I wanted to get proactive. I wanted, you know, I'm sure I could have winged it for a couple of years, but, you know, then my family life suffers. Then my relationship with my children suffer. And, and eventually it would, have, it would have creeped into my job. It would have creeped into my relationships with uh, outside of our family and friends. So, so you, you consider this maybe more proactive Definitely approach. a preemptive strike. Definitely a preemptive strike. <laughs> and I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Spoken like someone who has served our country. A preemptive strike. What do you have you to? You have to look at it that way. What do you have to say to someone who is watching this and 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 facing what you faced? What do you have to say to them? Man, it's tough. I understand. It's tough when you're alone, and and, and even when you're not alone, you can feel alone sometimes. So, you know, it, it, if if you feel like you have nowhere to go, please call my office. Three three seven two nine one eighty three hundred. Call my office. We'll find help for you. We'll figure it out. We have a lot of resources in Lafayette. There's a lot of resources in Acadiana, in our state, really in our country. And I feel like the awareness is a lot higher now, so it's not as much of a stigma. You know, in the past, you know, people really thought it was a choice. 
you know and, and when you, you know we're all born a certain way and, and we have certain genetics about us uh, even before we start drinking you know someone or, or if you're addicted to something it's, a, it's the same thing the pathways are the same and uh, I'm thankful for the science that we have I really am and I know we're just scratching the surface so really really just defer over to the experts and but if you're if you're struggling or if you know someone that's struggling man there is help and it's not bad it's it's re- look it's it's simple but it can be difficult but you can get to it you can get through it you've served our country and obviously you are definitely not the first veteran to experience PTSD and and uh, the alcoholism issue was there someone that you served with who you thought about or was there someone who you went to or talked to to talk about the PTSD and that this is part of the you know the problem and why you ended in treatment well, well, thought about yes. Went to I went to went to this lady, you know, who's who's a counselor by trade, but um, you know, she was probably a counselor. Well, she was a counselor before, you know. Uh, and you know, I'm fortunate to have someone that I can just be honest with, and you know, she she knows. I mean, she knows everything about me. So, but um, so I was blessed. Not everybody's as blessed as that, and I, and I recognize that. I don't take that for granted. But you know, I thought of, I thought about a lot of people I've served with, and a lot of people I've hung out with out, you know, that I served with outside of that element that uh, definitely could benefit. You know, there's there's it's unfortunate that. It's almost a symptom of PTSD sometimes. It's definitely a coping mechanism for, for many. And, um, you know, there's help. There's help. And, and the VA, look, the VA has uh, has tools, but there's there's a lot more available than what the, the VA can offer. What do you guys think that we need to, we need in this country, that we need to make uh, sure that our veterans are taken care of, that they're able to experience, um, handle the experiences that they have? Do you think we're doing an A-plus job, or are we on the other end? I think we're on the we're other on end. We're on the other end. 100%. Yeah, and and I feel like policy-wise, if the federal government would empower states and local local governments a little bit more, and and you've seen a little a little trend that way, and, and I'm I'm happy to see that. But you know where the rubber meets the mode is, uh, road is at local government, and if not local governments at the state level, it's just a lot more tailored solutions. And if we can empower state and local governments, we'll get we'll get the tools because it's my opinion. I don't think there's folks in Washington that don't care. I think they care. I just think it's a lot of people. It's a lot of veterans out there. And look at the war, I mean, Afghanistan, 20 years, you know, and, and that's in a, in a very hostile environment, uh, you know, Iraq. And we still have Vietnam veterans that are going through this. And, and you know, so I think we could do that awareness, you know, I, I feel, um, because, you know, I served in Iraq in 2005. The landscape looks a lot different. I mean, when I demobed, I mean, we spent just a few days in Fort Polk and like don't kill yourself don't kill anybody else if you feel like you're gonna hurt anybody you know call your chain of command we've come a long way so kudos on that we're on the other end on that one the positive end but I think awareness I think awareness is is gonna help us a lot what do you think this is more your feel I don't know I mean awareness but I think it's more of a um, the stigma behind it that makes people not want to seek help you know so it's you know I mean you know I mean, look at the press. You can just look at the comments that we've gotten since Josh is gone. I mean, you're going to have, and I think that's what people are afraid of, just having that, um, you know, like negative, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, just negative stigma, yeah, you know, just, bad uh, reputation, yeah. people talking about, you know, yeah. I, I'll, I'll say, this might sound a little crazy, but you know, I'm used to it. 
so to me that was never a factor but when I first got in office sure I would I would be worried about all these things and what are people thinking and I realized you know hey look I know it's in my heart <laughs> and just go do the right thing so I have been conditioned to, to not care about any of that but now that you say that yeah I could see where people would, would say oh you know bad's negative stigma it's very similar to when depression started to, to be more uh, prevalent you know when when the pharmaceutical companies started running commercials whatever their motives may have been it there was a positive to that because at least people said oh well, I can go to my doctor and talk about it I can go to my counselor and talk about it generalized anxiety disorder things like that so when I say awareness being a non-clinician and not trained as much as much as my wife here um, that's I'm painting with a broad brush because I, I really do. But that's that's probably the the biggest issue. It's probably the biggest hurdle. Don't they go hand in hand? Depression, dependency on on an abuse of, of things. It's not in my case. No, there was no depression. Some, I'm sure, there's overlap. Yeah, and and sometimes it's the result of the abuse of of of, of a of alcohol of a chemical um, it, it, it can be a part of it as well as um, anxiety and that that sort of stuff I, at least that's what I read you're the you're the medical professional here Depression. No, I mean I just think that everybody's situation is different you know I mean there's no like yeah. e even even people that you talk to that suffer from depression it it looks different for everyone you know what I mean so I think that it's hard to kind of clump it up um, to like okay this is what it is because it's it can be so different. I mean, PTSD can look different. Depression can look different. Anxiety can look different. There's a lot of different levels of, you know, anxiety. So, um, and we can look inward, and we can blame ourselves. I mean, that's what any normal person would do, and 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 not be proud of yourself for being there, but taking action as soon as possible. I'm a hunt. I'm, I'm very proud that he went. A 100 percent. Like I have no. I mean, whatever anybody wants to say is fine with me, but I know that I'm happy for me and my family. Um, he's much better for it and will be much better for it. Yeah, I definitely stand by that. But you know, Dora, I'm, gl I'm, glad, we're, I'm glad we're talking about this. Uh, and it's, and, you know, we're highlighting so many things that people really don't talk about. PTSD, addiction, alcoholism, um, and mental illnesses, behavioral health. Um, but I want to make sure that you know, my understanding, I want to make sure we're all clear. PDA, just because you have PTSD doesn't mean you're an addict. Just because you're an addict that served in, in war, alcoholic, um, you know, doesn't mean you're going to treat PTSD the same or handle it. So these are, you're bifurcated. You know, it, it's it's unique and every, every person's different. Every recovery's different. Every treatment plan is different. And that's why we let the experts do what they do. But the highlight here is we're talking about it. And that's okay. You know, because I'm telling you, we have a lot of veterans in Lafayette. I mean, we have a lot of veterans, you know, and th there's help. There's help, whether whether you're an alcoholic uh, with no PTSD or PTSD and not an alcoholic or, or whatever, everything in between. There, there are experts, and it's so different than what it was five years ago, ten years ago, and it's gonna. It, we're on a positive trend. Yeah, I, I I'd say I have to agree with you because we are talking about it a lot more. And I did read a lot of the comments, and there were great comments who, uh, where folks were very supportive and, and just really uh, complimentary of you both, of you for sticking 
by your husband and of you for uh, seeking the help that you needed. So we're going to move on now because uh, we're going to, you're welcome, we're going to talk now, um, now that you're back uh, and, and ready to hit the ground running and, and get things done, um, talking about the budget and uh, things that you guys are both involved in, of course, recent publications, reports, and, and I love that you brought that up earlier, that there were things that were said and published, so um, this is one of those things that was published, um, talking about the company that you own uh, and, and what has happened with that, and so one of the biggest questions I have for you both is why um, did you establish this company, what type of company uh, is it exactly? I understand it is uh, equipment, but why this company and why now? Whoever wants to go first. Go ahead. You run well, the company. Well, we actually talked about it for probably about a year and a half before we started it. Um, we actually went into it with Josh's cousin. I mean, this was not anything. We had never even made a dollar, okay? Then Jacques decided he wanted to do something different, so he got out, okay? Um, we then had two other partners that came in with us, and it's, and by the way, we still, like, this is not a company that's made any money. We have a contract that's, our contracts specifically say that we can do no business for LCG, like nothing, okay? Um, as far as the, um, specific company they're talking about that we supposedly made millions off of that I yeah I'm no I'm just right. saying um, we have an email that we sent saying we could not do any pro we first of all we've never done business with that company ever never and what company is that I don't know if I can rigid I, rigid rigid okay okay so right. never done we never made a dollar off of them we've never done any business with them um, ever um, and what kind of company is it? A, this a, is for okay. this is for folks who don't know you, this story. It's a okay? heavy, it's a heavy machinery equipment company, okay? But we are just a middleman. We're like a fulfillment center. So if someone calls us and says, "Hey, we need um, bathrooms, but we also need a boom lift. We need a kitchen. We need we put all of it together in like a package." And we'll, we, we're kind of like a, a, a fulfillment center. So we go through other companies to get all the equipment and um, whatever else they need. And, you know, we, we rent it to them. I see. So, okay, so you're a counselor mm -hmm. and he's the mayor president. And we know you have a law background and a veteran background. So how, how did you gravitate to an equipment? Let, let me highlight, on the contract, though, which he's referring to, that is my legal hat on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I think we, well... I think it's worth noting, we go a little step further too. Mm -hmm. So direct jurisdiction of LCGs, City Lafayette, unincorporated areas, I call it kind of quasi-indirect jurisdiction, the municipalities, but in our contract, you know, and let's say ours, I own it with you, she runs it, she's the only manager of the company. Um, it goes further though, it says, or any vendor of any of the municipalities in the parish. I want to remove all doubt, and, we, and when we started that, that was the, really when I came in, I said, look. We are not doing anything that takes me away from my job, my duties as mayor president, because that one, the charter requires it. 
two, it's what I want to do. This is my focus. I mean, I work mm -hmm. 60, 70 hours a week, so I don't know how much I could give anyway, you know. But want to remove all doubt. want to remove even the appearance of impropriety. And I know not everyone is uh, privileged to the contract. We'll release it. It's a generic contract yeah. that, that she uses every every but sale, which hasn't been many. But maybe it will. Maybe you're giving her so much pub. It's WMN no, no, Supplies and Machinery. But, I mean, when we originally started talking about this, it was – you know probably right after the hurricane we had gone down and um you know people were having trouble getting supplies they were having trouble getting everything that they needed and so that's kind of like where the idea started we we're like okay there's a need for this there's a need for us to be able to provide these services um so how do we kind of like get into this because i mean the, the hurricane season is only for a few months okay so how do we get into this and 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 start I don't know, getting our name out there, you know. So this is kind of, and I mean, we've also thrown other ideas out there, like maybe we'll get into scaffolding or other things, just like anybody would do when they get into a business. You know, they start with something and they're like, okay, well then maybe we can do this or maybe we can do that or whatever, you know. So that's kind of where it originated. But it's gone, we have a lot of ideas. I don't know, I don't even know if, I don't even know where this company is, is going to go. Maybe it goes somewhere, maybe it doesn't. I can tell you this right now, that the money that we have made off of this is not enough to really even pay our salary, <laughs> okay? Like, we're, we're pretty much breaking even. So you basically saw it, a need. And one, well, it's more than that, though. You're missing the best part, see? So if it's disaster relief is what you let in with, but we feel like we can help. And, you know, what motivated me when you had this idea was we can take a chunk of the proceeds and donate it to charity and donate it to causes that will actually help, maybe start a nonprofit in the future that can help some folks, you know. So to me, that was that was what I got out of. That's what I like the most. So it started, like you said, as an idea based out of a need that you saw. Yeah. Uh, having been here because that is something that people are questioning is your timing of this and that there are pending um, contracts, there are pending projects and wanting to know why now and why this company which you just answered. I mean, I mean honestly that never was a thought in my brain for us to like I don't even know what contracts are we're talking about because I, I was potential. Yeah. Uh, potential. Yeah the intent oh. behind the uh, we'll we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say yeah. they're they're operating in good faith. Um, they're not. So, but you know the the intent behind it is, or the spirit of the question is, are you renting to vendors that have a relationship with LCG no, indirectly? That was and never even not. a thought. I mean, that was just we knew we couldn't do it. It's in our contract. Um, we have specifically said that to anybody that we do business with, they know we can't um, do anything with LCG. Period. Do you have other companies? At this point, or is this? I know you said you had other ideas. Oh, the law office. Oh, yeah, well, yeah we have the law office. Right, the law office. Yeah. And you said you had ideas of things. Uh, you have a lot of ideas oh, of things that you want to pursue. Oh, we always have ideas. But we've always been like that. Yeah. You know. I, I mean, just, we have like nonprofits that we think about. We sure. have like. I mean, we're always thinking about different things. Yeah. That's, I, I, mean, I hope that's that never stops. Yeah, I mean, we, I feel like we bring that, that into into my, my job as mayor president. You know, I mean, it makes you more diverse. Uh, of course it does. And speaking of being diverse, we understand that, of course, you mentioned this earlier in this conversation that you do uh, work at UL. You are teaching, yeah, right. you are teaching one, two, one course over at UL. 
Yeah, and what's the course? Business law. I don't know if they want me telling you know hours and things like that for no, security, no, but fine. no. But I love it, and you know, it's a large part of it is constitutional law. I feel like it's a, a way also to give back and, and be connected with our, our younger generation, uh, which I'm only a few years um, removed from that. I just want to highlight that you know, you're supposed to buy into that. But, but this, this again, you're you know, you're mayor president first, so there are folks who question that this can take you away from your mayor president duties, does it? It's it's laughable. If you be if honest, if you looked at how many hours, how many hours do you think I work a week? It's two hours a week. That, oh, I, that two, I, 2.5, 2.5. But from a mayor president standpoint. <laughs> well, I mean, he works probably over 60 hours a week, yeah. um, nights, weekends, it's 24 seven. So I figure like two and a half hours probably isn't gonna, probably could take that. You know, I'm not a big. I don't go to the hunting camp. We don't have one. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't golf. Could you imagine me golfing? The pay. I can putt putt golf. My patience is. I, God bless all those that can. And let's talk about now about your d uh, dignitary security detail. We've had viewers who call us about that and want to know why is it? Uh, why do you need them? Why are they with you? Do they escort you to non-government uh, events? And that taxpayers feel like that's their dollars, and they want to know why the detail. Well, I didn't create it. It was there before I got in office, and I don't even think they call themselves dignitary detail anymore. But I deferred to the police department, police, and you know, the sheriff's department's great, marshal, all these law enforcement officers. They they assess risk, and you know, I'm not an officer. I'm not a law enforcement officer. You know, blessed to blessed to be over or oversee uh, the CAO myself, overseeing the police department through the through the chief so of this, police. This was in place, you said, when you got into office. Yeah, this absolutely. is how it works. And they, now they may see them a little bit more due to certain things that outside of my control, but I let them do their job. They they assess it. You know they have access to my calendar as you would imagine they would, and if there's a security threat, then they're they're going to assess it. But you know I I let them do their job. Now for any anything that's non-governmental like campaign or whatnot, I'll either pay for it, uh, pay a sheriff's deputy if it's outside the city or whatnot, or police department they know all the ethical rules and that's the argument is that folks are saying hey we need police officers yeah. you know does he need three people or three off you know three officers with him this this Let this is what we get I don't dictate what they do they assess the risk mm -hmm. they'll do it I may ask a few questions especially if they're hanging out outside my house you know like do you have to be here <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense but we definitely don't I don't know about you babe, but uh, I don't wake up every day saying can I have a police officer by no. me? I mean, I love our PD officers and all. Mm -hmm. But that's not something you want. Let's move on to um, issues within um, the city, the parish, because uh, we're nearing the end here, um, just to let you guys know. And uh, real quick, the yes. next, it, you know, whoever is mayor president in the future, maybe it's, you know, eight or ten years from now, but they're going to have a uh, detail, too. That's how that works. Yeah. Lafayette infrastructure. You we join the, the <laughs> I might. I mess You wouldn't mess with her? No. no. <laughs> Lafayette infrastructure, roads, drainage, economic yeah. development. Um city parish. Uh there there are uh taxpayers out there, viewers who call us and they're they're not happy that uh, we have such road issues, we have such drainage issues. And uh, the economic development part, um for a while there um, before you uh, became, uh, you were in office, um, we had a big north versus south thing going on, uh, and, and I'm sure you're aware. 
Uh, and so what have you done since you've been in office in this elected position and what will you continue to do? We're seeing some development now on in North uh, Lafayette and I, I'm, I'm sure that you would agree. Uh, we have four corners because Lafayette is a circle but you can identify four corners and if there were developments in all four corners where you have quality of life for all four corners and it's not driven south, it's not just driven to one area. What can you say to your constituents who will be watching this to assure them that we are going to make Lafayette and continue, continue to be the hub that it has been and that all of our money is not going to be directed to one area or one, you know, one segment of, of, of our population? Absolutely. Actions speak louder than words. You know, for 30 or 40 years, you've had administrations and councils come in here saying, oh, there's, there's too much investment here, too much investment there. The north side, the north side needs this and needs that. All they did was blow hot air. All they did was blow hot air. Actions speak louder than words. We've invested more in the north side than you could probably stack three or four administrations put together and won't add up to it. Look at our investments in Brown Park. Look at our investments in Moore Park. Look at our investments in the roads. I'm not happy where the roads are either. Matter of fact, the CAO and myself this morning, we we're talking about an aggress aggressive over, uh, overlay schedule. For the first time in a long time, our overlay, our asphalt and, and preservation um, overlay efforts are up to date for the first time. You know, and I, and I hope folks are feeling it. I mean, look at, look at our quality of life initiatives. We're going to have a world-class bike bike path, pedestrian path. That's going to that's gonna be huge. Skate park. Skate park. Skate park. You know, she's a big advocate for it. But uh, <laughs> I thought she was going to I thought you were going to come to the council meeting and file a blue card. But uh, no, it's, it, but there's, there's so much. Um, but we represent everyone. You know, I don't like that whole north side, south side stuff. We're one side. We're not there yet, but we're but we're getting there. Look at our look at our economic development. I love partnering with, with my my friend and colleague Mandy Mitchell, and I loved working with Greg before Mandy. This is like leaders leaders popping. We're we're you know we're not an ounce of daylight between us. We we do joint efforts, joint projects. You see a lot more diversification coming. We have multi, We have several new LED pre-certified manufacturing sites in our parish, and we're investing more in you know downtown. The hub of the hub is what I call it. You know, if, if Lafayette, by, by the way, by legislation, Lafayette is the capital of Acadiana. Well, if we're the capital of Acadiana, downtown's the capital of Lafayette. And if you need to take care of that. And there's been so much talk about we want to do things. You know, when, I, when we first got in office, we were told, oh, you have to raise taxes. You have to raise taxes to, uh, to build a new parking garage. Said, well, no, you don't. Let's just be fiscally responsible and there we go now the parking garage Buchanan Street parking garage is there we got money in the budget at the time at the appropriate time for economic development to uh, bring some more parking downtown uh, we work well with our, our colleagues over there at DDA DLU and um, you know and I look forward to continue to work with any council member that comes in good faith and wants to help us and you have the um, uh, the, the most recent thing with um Louisiana Avenue exchange that the extension of that to glorious switch uh, yes. or a little bit further butcher, butcher switch because uh, that was put on hold the money was moved somewhere else temporarily so this is money that is now in place and that project is under will be underway that's right now the councilman uh, councilman Tabor is a parish councilman over there he's, he's done a great job advocating for it bringing working with the administration coming up with some solutions that that will be the most fiscally sound uh, you know we redesigned it a little bit so it's a little more cost saving for the for the taxpayers and and everybody benefits you know the city of Lafayette benefits the unincorporated areas uh, our friends in Karen Crow benefits so this is this is going to really help it's going to help take traffic off of uh, I-49 we're working hard on the connector and you know North St. Antoine extension that's that's a huge project it's been on the books for so long and all of this is public record all, you have to open the budget now, I know it's not as 
easy sometimes to look at because it's a it's a pretty thick budget yeah, but it but it's been there and all we've heard is talk you know and the folks are tired of talking we need action and what are we doing um, uh, about crime fighting it <laughs> fighting it you know look I, we I need, love we need more officers what what what's gonna happen with that we do and we just got some so thanks to the city council not this budget but last budget funded uh, 12 new positions and those are boots on ground and uh, I think the end of December of 21 we well, I can't give the number but we were at a we were at a significantly less amount of patrol officers in the city of Lafayette than we are right now. Very proud of those three majors over there that are doing a really good job, our interim chief, and um, everybody in PD understands the intent to put more, more, more boots on ground. But there's another stakeholder, another agency that we work well with, and that's our sheriff. You know, he's the chief law enforcement officer of the parish. It's, it's, he's got a big burden on his shoulders. He carries it well, and I, I love working with him, and, um, and we work well together. And he understands the mission. He understands that fighting crime is is the uh, is is one of the absolute top priorities and, and we both take it serious as we wrap up this interview I want some final thoughts from from both of you what is it that you want to leave our viewers with knowing and and seeing and taking away from this interview I think for me um, I kind of pride myself on being an honest person um, it's unfortunate that you know, people find um, happiness in trying to hurt other people with false accusations. Um, I've never been a, I've never done anything criminal. Um, I, I'm a very ethical person. I'm super honest about um, myself and my life. I mean, obviously our life is not perfect and that's okay. Um, so I think that's probably the one thing that I would want someone to take out of this. And you, Josh? I think it's a great time to be in Lafayette. I mean, we, we were rocking and rolling. You know, and take, trust trust in your local government. You know, but place place your trust in God over government, and everything will work out. You know, it's just easier said than done sometimes, and I understand that. Do you feel your constituents are active enough? Do you think that sure. that local folks are are really participating in, in government? I mean, obviously, there's always room for improvement. Well, this is this is my thoughts. Folks are busy; they really are, and that and that's okay. And especially at the local level, that's why elections matter. And when you go out and you campaign on something and the people elect you to do something, man, it's your duty to do that. Every, every, I'm telling you, every planning meeting we have, CAO to directors and staff, they understand what I ran on. And we never forget that. And we don't go and look at, you know, we didn't even talk about drainage. There's been more investment in drainage than literally 40 years added up is probably leaving off 10 years. It, I mean, we have, we have hit it, and we've hit it very hard and aggressive, and I don't apologize for that. So, and, and there's more to come because we haven't seen nothing yet. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. But I understand why I was elected. And we don't go and say, okay, is this precinct that they vote for us? We're going to do drainage there. No, look at the map. We're very transparent. When you're transparent, you're going to see good, bad, and ugly, and that's okay because we're human, and we're going at a new pace of government, and we don't apologize for that for sure. You know, the folks have seen. I'm, we're constituents, too. We're neighbors here, too. We've seen the past. And not pointing fingers. I'm just saying we're doing things different. But I'm, I'm excited. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks. God bless you. 10 Talks at Kadiana. Subscribe wherever podcasts are downloaded. A Star Media production.